You're listening to episode 22 of Rainbow Baby, a podcast documenting a journey of pregnancy after loss. I'm your host, Taylor Bates. In May 2018, my first child, Ellis, was stillborn at 31 weeks for unknown reasons. In the depths of unimaginable grief, my husband, Hunter, and I knew we wanted to try again. Since then, we've experienced new pregnancies and more loss. We're still hoping for our rainbow baby, which is a baby born subsequent to a miscarriage, stillbirth, TFMR, or the death of an infant from natural causes. I want to share my story with you because life after pregnancy loss can be so isolating. You'll also hear conversations with others who've walked this path before me. This episode is an update during week 20 of my current pregnancy. I share about my mid-pregnancy anatomy scan with my perinatal specialist and how I brought up questions about sleeping on my side during pregnancy. This was something that was starting to cause me anxiety as I've progressed through the second trimester and was something I had worried was perhaps the cause of Ellis's stillbirth. The outcome of our conversation gave me so much relief and I hope it's helpful for you too. I also share some tips for getting good sleep during pregnancy. One last note, during the last few minutes of the episode, my neighbor started using his leaf blower, which you can hear a little bit. I tried to edit it out as much as I could, so I hope it's not too distracting. Here's the episode. Hello. So I've got a sort of lighthearted episode for you today. Um, I want to talk about sleep during pregnancy and there are some things that are definitely specific to pregnancy after loss, of course, because that's what I'm going through currently and that's what this podcast is about. So just to give you a little bit of update and catch you up, I'm currently 20 weeks pregnant, which means I'm a little over halfway through the pregnancy for me because the plan is that I'll have a scheduled C-section at around 38 weeks. So I had my anatomy scan last week at my specialist and it went great. Um, I was reflecting on it and thinking about how at the beginning of this pregnancy, I never would have imagined going to the anatomy scan by myself. Um, but because of the pandemic and the current circumstances, that's just my only option. Um, you know, I had a fear obviously of going to appointments during pregnancy after loss by myself because I was alone when I went into the hospital to find out that Ellis no longer had a heartbeat when he was stillborn. So um, I've definitely come a long way with that anxiety and just have been kind of forced to face it and in a sense overcome it. Um, So yeah, I went to the anatomy scan by myself and the doctor was, um, I was actually with my perinatal specialist. I had seen my OB the week before and I just love our specialists. Um, that's been such a, a great thing to have during pregnancy after loss because I'm basically getting, you know, double the attention and, um, support and just monitoring of the baby and what's going on with, with the pregnancy. So it just gives me a lot of extra reassurance. Um, And the specialists, you know, they deal with high-risk pregnancies on a regular basis. That's their job. So they're accustomed to um, the emotions and anxiety and all of the questions that come along with that. So it really makes me feel at ease because they know how to put me at ease. 
so um, they did the scan and the baby is just looking great, which is so amazing. And he is measuring in the 68th percentile, which the doctor said means he's a little bit on the bigger side, which is totally great and fine. Um, and all of his parts are developing just right. They also looked at my cervix, um, the position of my cervix, and they said that looks normal. I was a little bit concerned about the position of my placenta because it's anterior, which means it's on the front of my belly and there you know, is a chance that it's kind of closer to my C-section scar, which can potentially cause issues. So I asked him about that and he said, you know, it's currently, it's close to the scar, but it's not on it. And that as I continue to progress in the pregnancy, it'll um, move up into my uterus as the uterus grows. So he wasn't concerned about it. And especially he, he looked at the placenta and he told me that if it was growing into the scar, there would be evidence like, I guess in certain areas, it might be thinner, um, things like that. And he said, you know, it's growing in a really consistent way, which signifies to him that it's it's functioning normally and, you know, it's healthy. So all of that just made me feel really, really reassured. So at the end of the scan, he asked if I had any questions. Um, and one of the big questions that I had in the back of my mind that for some reason I was a little bit afraid to ask, maybe because... I was ashamed or embarrassed, but um, I'd been having some anxiety as I've started to now get closer to the third trimester about sleeping on my side and just making sure that I do that and start to train myself to always sleep on my side because in all of the pregnancy apps and you know you can read about it online, everyone recommends that pregnant women start to sleep on their side specifically if possible your left side because if you sleep on your back um it can the uterus the weight of the uterus can put pressure on this one kind of major artery that runs underneath your uterus kind of along your spine um and that can you know diminish blood flow and diminish blood flow to the baby so it can potentially cause issues and I had known that um, when I was pregnant with Ellis and wasn't too concerned about it with him. You know, I tried to sleep on my side when I could. Sometimes I would shift, you know, during sleep and I would wake up on my back because I'm normally a back sleeper. And I remember that the, the morning that Ellis was stillborn, I woke up and I was sleeping on my back. And I had gone to gone to bed sleeping on my side. So obviously I had rolled over and, and, and onto my back. And for a long time, that really bothered me. I kind of wondered and at certain points agonized, you know, is that what caused his stillbirth, that I was sleeping on my back? And for some reason, I never have asked that question up until now. I just kind of... I would just kind of wonder about it and and feel sad about it and then kind of like set it aside. So I figured this was a good opportunity to ask the doctor about it since I'm pregnant again and now, you know, I'm feeling that anxiety start to creep up of like, oh, Taylor, you have to make sure you always are sleeping on your side. 
And so, you know, I've been looking at different products, like different pillows that can help you supposedly to stay on your side. And the reviews are mixed. A lot of people say that they, it doesn't necessarily help you to stay on your side and that they're, or that they're not comfortable. Um, so anyways, I brought this up with a doctor and he handled it so well. Um, first of all, he just said, you know, he explained the science behind it very thoroughly so that I understood, you know, what's going on in the body and why that's recommended to sleep on your side. But he said, also, your body is incredible. And if that vein were actually, or that artery were actually to um, have too much pressure put on it and, and start to diminish the blood flow, your body would give you symptoms or signals that something was wrong. So you might start to feel nauseous, you might feel lightheaded, or you would just start to feel really bad, he said. So it would become very obvious that you needed to switch positions. And he said, even if you were asleep when that happened, like your body would um, kind of naturally shift positions because it was so uncomfortable. Um, so that was kind of the first thing that he said, just not to worry so much about you know, being rigorous about sleeping on your side always because your body will help you self-correct. And then the other thing he said was that I should absolutely not blame myself for sleeping on my back with Ellis because that would not have caused his stillbirth. And um, he just went on to explain scientifically like why that alone would not have caused Ellis's stillbirth and even though his stillbirth is unexplained that yeah there that alone would not have caused it um and so oh my gosh it just brought me so much relief I thanked him for you know talking to me so thoroughly about this and being so reassuring and understanding um and I walked out of that office feeling like 10 pounds lighter, even though I'm like 15 pounds heavier with this pregnancy. <laughs> um, but just that weight of, of, of thinking that maybe that's what had caused it and it was something that I could have prevented. Um, so just kind of getting rid of those, those blaming thoughts, you know, that were causing me a lot of shame or sadness or guilt or, and then anxiety in the current pregnancy. So I've definitely loosened up about my sleep habits. So I want to talk a little bit more about um, sleep during pregnancy and kind of give um, some tips on kind of what I'm doing to get good sleep. So um, I haven't purchased any additional pregnancy pillows or anything like that. For one thing, they just kind of look ridiculous and seem like they take up the entire bed. They're huge. And I am sort of a minimalist when it comes to stuff like that. So if I don't have to buy another thing, I'd rather not. Um, so Hunter and I do have a king size bed because he's six foot three. So we have king size pillows on our bed, which are kind of the extra long pillows. So um, we have a total of four pillows on our bed. And usually like when I wasn't pregnant, I would have you know, one obviously under my head, and then I would hug on to one almost like a body pillow. And so now Hunter, he has his two pillows, but he always doesn't use his second one. 
So I've um, adopted his second pillow and I put it, I put one behind my back and I hold on to one in front of me as like a body pillow. So I'm sleeping on my side and there is something really extra comfortable about having that pillow behind my back. I can't really explain it, but it just makes me feel really snuggled and secure. And then inevitably I do end up rolling over several times throughout the night because usually I'll start to have some hip pain just as my hips are growing and expanding with the pregnancy. Um, and so I'll, I'll flip sides. And when I flip over, that other pillow is already right there for me to hug onto. And so one thing I've also learned about reducing hip pain, because that started for me probably about a month ago when I was like 16 weeks pregnant, I follow Expecting and Empowered, which is the strength training workout program that I've been doing since I was 12 weeks pregnant. It's amazing. Um, it's a guide that was created by two sisters. One is a physical therapist. The other is an obstetrics nurse and um, personal trainer. And they have weekly um, workouts that are tailored for pregnancy. They're primarily strength training, pelvic floor strengthening, and they give a ton of just free content and tips on their Instagram in their stories. And it's all saved, so you can go check it out. But they have sleep tips. And one of the things that really has helped me that they said is when you're sleeping, have a pillow between your legs, but make sure that your knees are aligned. So sometimes I would kind of like hike one knee up and stretch one leg out. And they said that can actually kind of torque your hips out of alignment and cause some of that extra pain or pressure. So now I try to sleep with my knees in alignment. Um, you know, and again, I, it doesn't always stay that way, but I try to start out that way, right? And to have a pillow all the way up basically to your crotch, so from your knee to your crotch, just so that your whole, um, your legs are fully supported and that your knees are basically hip width apart, if that makes sense. So that's helped me a lot with reducing that hip pain. I almost don't have any hip pain at this point. And the other things that I do, because now I'm waking up several times during the night to go to the bathroom and then the baby's wiggling around. So, you know, it's just like harder to get um, consistent sleep. But I wear an eye mask just to block out any extra light. And I also wear usually just one earplug in my like the ear that's facing up if I'm sleeping on my side, if that makes sense. Because sometimes wearing two when you're sleeping on your side, it can cause a lot of pressure in my in the ear that's facing down on the pillow. So, um, and it also enables me to like still hear certain things instead of be totally noise canceling. And so if, if I ever needed to be woken up for some reason, I, I would be able to. And I know... Also, once the baby comes, I'm going to want to be able to hear hear the baby um, at night. So I'm kind of training myself to block out some noise but still be able to hear. But that really helps with being able to go to sleep quickly. It's just like put on my mask, put on my earplug, and it's kind of like my little sleep kit. And I'm it's almost like a pacifier. I just go to sleep pretty quickly. The other thing, of course, is like going to bed at a consistent bedtime, which has been hard with the pandemic because we have so much less structure in our lives. Hunter and I are both working from home. and um, But I've been trying to just take cues from my body. And when I get sleepy at night, 
trying to wind down, read a book, not watch TV like right before bedtime or be looking at screens. As I've noticed, if I kind of push past that point of being tired, then it's actually hard for me to go to sleep if I stay up too late. And the last thing I want to talk about is the importance of napping. I've actually found an article um, that talked about the science behind napping during pregnancy, and I'll link to it in the show notes, but they said they found that expectant mothers who regularly took afternoon naps between 60 and 90 minutes long were 29% less likely to have a baby with a low birth weight compared with mothers who didn't nap. They also found that napping five to seven days a week reduced the likelihood of having a baby with a low birth weight by 22%. So um, definitely in the first trimester, I just had pretty extreme fatigue, which I know is very common. I have several other pregnant friends right now, and they all have gone through the same thing. And um, especially with the pandemic, it was just, it made it even harder just being at home all the time because in one way, it was great, right? You're at home, so it's easy to take a nap, but it also just made me start to feel like kind of worthless or like I just wasn't doing anything or, you know, I'm just home all the time and I'm just napping. Um, I don't know. It felt indulgent maybe. And I'm definitely an achiever type. So I, I don't like to feel like I'm not being productive, I guess. So yeah, I started doing some research into napping during pregnancy and found this information about how it can actually be really beneficial to the pregnancy and to the baby. Um, So that helped me to let go of that guilt and just remember, like, even though I'm not being productive in my normal ways, I'm actually working really hard. My body is working really hard to build another human. So if, if by chance you're pregnant and you're feeling that way, that kind of guilt about, like, not wanting to nap, or I know if if you have other kiddos or other responsibilities, you know, it can be really hard to squeeze a nap in, especially like the study said, a 60 to 90 minute nap. I mean, that that's honestly, I usually don't nap for that long. I usually lap, nap for like 30 minutes, but at the end of the study, it says, you know, anything is better than nothing. So if it's like 10 minutes, that's great. Just try to listen to your body's cues, and if you feel sleepy, um, even if you're not actually able to take a nap, just see if you can find a little way to unplug from doing kind of the deep work that you're that you're normally doing, um, just for five or ten minutes, just to give your mind that break. So that's my episode for this week, and I hope it was meaningful for you. Especially, you know, if if you've had any anxiety about sleeping on your side, I hope that this um, perspective might help alleviate that um, worry for you too, because I know it just, it helped me to feel so much better. So thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. To connect with me, you can visit taylorashleybates.com and also find me on Instagram. Please share this podcast with anyone you know who is walking through life after pregnancy loss, whether they are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, or parenting after loss. And please subscribe and review this podcast. Your reviews are so helpful in getting this podcast to reach new listeners. Until next time, I'm Taylor Bates, sending you peace and hope for your journey.